welcome back to the Brown Taboo Project. It is our third episode. We are we are coming out the gate with a very special surprise announcement. We have changed our name. <gasps> yes. Uh, I know. But not by much, people. Don't worry. It's true. What is this new name, you ask? Well, it's pretty much literally the same exact thing. We are now the South Asian Sexual and Mental Health Alliance, SASMA, as it were. <laughs> Um, and basically, we changed it because we are focused on brown taboos, as this podcast says. And we feel like sexual and mental health are kind of the main overarching issues that are hard to talk about in our communities. Um, and we've been focused on mental health in our work before, and we figured our name should reflect that. So, new name, same old organization, um, South Asian Sexual and Mental Health Alliance. It's kind of a mouthful, but you know what? I think we're going to grow into it. On to our episode. I am Shreya. I'm now based in New York, holding it down. These are my dulcet tones. Uh, and the rest of us here today are... Everyone, it's Trinish. I am here from sunny San Diego. I've jumped nine time zones since our last episode. Um, I am really happy to be here. Spain and then now in California, all over. Yes, yes, world, world traveler. Mm-hmm. Hi, everybody. I'm Tanya. I'm still in Washington, D.C. I haven't traveled anywhere. I did go to Spain, but now I'm back, um, sadly. So here I am, um, boiling in the heat. That's constant for all of us. Very true. I'm three. I'm in Denver. It's been ridiculously, unseasonably hot, like 100 degrees hot, which it doesn't normally happen in Denver. Um, and I don't have AC, so I'm right there with you. <laughs> ah, good time. But yes, so we are really excited for a few different reasons for this episode. One of those reasons is that we've been alluding to this several times, but this is the first episode that all four of us founders are actually here. So that's Yay! a celebration. Third time's the uh, charm. Yes, from, <laughs> from four, four people in three different time zones, which, you know, happens. Um, and so it's not only exciting for that reason, but also because we have a very, very special guest with us. Um, and so this is the first time that we are having a guest on the podcast, but it's definitely something that we, you know, want to keep doing. And actually the way that we found this guest is because he listened to our very first podcast episode and got in touch with us. So I want to turn it over to him with it and let him introduce himself. Hi, everybody. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. My name is Mudit. Um, it's also very hot here, but um, I played Frisbee outside, so that was nice. And I'm really excited to be here. Cool. So as Shreya was alluding to kind of in her introduction, so, you know, we our organization has always been about sexual health, mental health, and then as sexual orientation as well as gender identity in you know, those broad topics, but really anything that is relevant to people, South Asian American youth, folks of the diaspora kind of thing. Um, So in this mental health piece in particular, it's not only interesting to hear about your journey with getting diagnosed, but then also how your identities play into it. So I guess to start with that piece a little bit, how do you identify in terms of your ethnicity or your background? Right. Um, I always find myself getting mixed up with the wording. Uh, I want to say Indian American. I guess South Asian would be easier. Um, is that right? Yeah. So uh, I, I, I identify with one of those two. Um, <laughs> Both or all of them. <laughs> um, whatever, I guess, rolls off the tongue easy, more, more easily. And um, as for uh, like my diagnosis... Um, yeah, sh- should I like uh, go into that now or? Um... Yeah, go for it. Okay, so um, wow, like I've been a mental health advocate for a while, but I first saw sought professional help in spring of 2016. Um, that was my second year of pharmacy school, and um, I, whew, it's it's quite a can of worms, but I. Uh, 
had issues with anxiety and I got a medication prescribed for it. Um, and then that spiraled towards a lot of events that were very, um, I guess stressful because I had a, an adverse reaction to the particular medication. Uh, and I'm kind of fast forwarding a little bit, but, um, I guess pharmacy school was quite a, an experience. And I think I'll say is that, um, I was prescribed sertraline, which is an SSRI, a particular type of medication for anxiety, but it precipitated mania that caused me to behave very um, obnoxiously in pharmacy school. And I was also not taking care of myself. Uh, That was a big eye opener for my family um, that really opened the doors to anything mental health related with my family. And um, I guess I'll stop there and kind of let the conversation go. And yeah, I mean, it, it was, um, it was really quite something I, I went through. Golly. Well, well, we're glad you're here to share with us. We appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, my diagnosis, I, I, I haven't quite answered that, but, uh, the, the, the confusing thing about my diagnosis is that, um, my mania was precipitated or, caused or exacerbated by this sertraline. Um, and, uh, according to one of the psychiatrists I spoke to, um, because this mania got so severe that I had to go to uh, Shepherd Pratt, um, which is a behavioral health hospital. And, um, they concluded that I had, uh, an unspecified bipolar disorder. And then, um, Fast forward a little bit, um, I got tested by a psychologist, and she concluded that I had bipolar type 1 disorder, um, but it was not completely clear to me because I don't know that I've had mania before other than this experience with uh, sertraline precipitating it, um, but I would say, yeah, I'm currently in this state where um, I'm pretty stable on, on therapy um, on medication therapy and, and seeing help. But, um, I guess I'm still learning about, uh, mental health and, and its nuances, uh, on, on sort of a daily basis. So. I have something to say. Um, this is literally the second time in my entire life that I've heard someone who's South Asian talk candidly about Mm -hmm. dealing with mental health issues Oh, um, yeah. The first time was um, a comedian named Aparna Nancherla who talked about having depression. And you, Mudit, are the second person I've ever heard talk about it. And I think that is so... Uh, fucked up? Fucked up, but also, <laughs> I mean, if we're awesome. taking an optimistic tone, like, mm-hmm. you know, pretty pretty phenomenal. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I, I mean, I can't imagine this is very easy for you, but, um, it's incredibly brave. Um, so thanks for that. There, there wasn't a question in there or anything. I just wanted to say that. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that, um, I I hope that you didn't misunderstand in any way that it's not necessarily about being like, what is your diagnosis? Like, tell us all the sorted Mm -hmm. details. Um, I think what is more interesting about your story is not what you were or were not labeled as because as we all know, diagnosis is pretty arbitrary and especially in the field of psychology, this is coming from someone who's in a fucking PhD program for psych. Mm -hmm. We know very little about diagnosis truly. Um, And when you and I talked before, we kind of talked about misdiagnosis and like, what is this thing? What is not this thing? Um, but the point being that regardless of what it is or isn't called, it's more about how it's affected you and what your personal experiences have been, um, whether this thing has a name or not, but just like, you know, things that color our lives in different ways. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, and, and I want to say thank you again, because uh, I feel a lot more calm and sort of at ease now and sort of um, telling my story. Um I want to say that uh, I 
yeah, I don't really know where to start because there, there's just so much like um, material to my story because when I, when I first had mania or maybe the early onset, I felt really good about life and really mm-hmm. awake. Mm-hmm. And um, I felt, I felt very inspired and um, I felt like I could do anything. Um, but that I think um, there are a few turning points where, so, so I started out like acting or um, speaking up in class and voicing my, my ideas. And it, at first it was very, um, I would say somewhat like inspiring to, to my friends and classmates, but then my ideas started to become less and less coherent. Um, I was getting a little bit paranoid. Um, and it's, it's strange, like it, early on, I felt really good, but, but I guess that, uh, got kind of out of control. Did you feel, <laughs> well, I guess, how did you feel when you were kind of going through that? Um, like, uh, let me rephrase the question. What prompted you to seek help right i i um took a long time to want to seek help because i majored in psychology in undergrad mm-hmm. um i was uh involved with an organization called active minds specifically our, our university of maryland chapter um but for reasons i i just don't understand i didn't I, there were Plenty of times where I struggled through things, but I didn't seek actual professional help. Um, I think pharmacy school just got so so much to handle, so stressful. Um, my my grades were suffering. Um, I was feeling down. Um, just a mixture of of issues, and I made a visit to the counseling center on campus. Um, I think that. Um, so I, I, I guess I agreed that with my, with the school psychiatrist that I had anxiety, but I have to confess that like my urgent concern was my grades and I just didn't know where to turn to and I wanted to do better in school. Um, so the psychiatrist uh, at the school felt that my anxiety may have been inhibiting me from performing well. Um, and that's really where it started. Like, I guess to do better, to do well in school, to feel more um, fulfilled and um, have a more, I guess, functional lifestyle because yeah. I, I was just, um, I don't know, consumed in my own thoughts all the time. So, yeah. Yeah. Ooh. And I feel like that, I mean, I've seen that in other people as well, friends that have gone through um, mental health issues, not necessarily exactly what you've gone through, but not necessarily putting off health, but maybe not, you know, not, um, addressing the underlying issue, but kind of just what's at the surface, like the immediate, like day to day kind of like, okay, I need to do this. I need to do that. That can take a backseat, you know, until I get through this week or this day or this exam or like, you know, this month. Um, but like what is deeper down might be kind of affecting everyday life. Um, it's hard to sometimes hone in on that and be like, okay, this is actually what needs to be addressed. And maybe it'll actually affect everything else on a deeper level. Um, yeah. Was there ever a time where you were like, I don't have to get this checked out. Like other people go to therapy. I don't need to go to therapy. Absolutely. I, I think that really described my undergraduate um, career. Like I was, I was involved with mental health advocacy. I was going, I was helping, I was volunteering with, um, with tabling and, and uh, uh, conveying information about resources. Uh, but I myself just, I don't know, I, I, I didn't actually seek help. And um, I think as I'm thinking about it now, it, it just maybe didn't feel, um, 
I felt maybe I was going to get teased by by some of my friends um, in in uh, you know in college. Uh, maybe maybe it's because I couldn't like identify one particular issue that was bothering me. Um, it was just a lot of things. Uh, and yeah, I, I think like I do have little sort of pieces of, of self stigma, just kind of like, um, yeah. I don't know, like preventing that prevented me from seeking help. Um, but like, even to this day, like I, I just, I don't know, like my mind wanders sometimes and, um, I get skeptical and, uh, just confused, but, but yeah, um, th that really, I guess, characterized the, the way I, um, felt in undergrad, definitely. Even like being in therapy school myself, I'll find myself, I have a therapy appointment to go to and I'll find myself saying like, oh, I have a doctor's appointment, but it depends on who I'm talking to, right? Like I actually sent an email today where we're scheduling a, a you know, video call for something and I wrote in my email originally, doctor's appointment. And then I went back and I was like, no. And I deleted that and I wrote therapy appointment because I'm talking to a bunch of therapists. And like, why is it that despite that, I still feel the need to self-edit and be like, oh, yeah, it's just a doctor's appointment. And why can't I just own that? Yeah, it's a therapy appointment I'm going to. We don't need to get into why. We don't need to get into what it's about. But like in much the same way that every person should have a primary care physician and every person who is who has a vagina should have a OBGYN, every human should also have a therapist, whether that's someone that you see all the time or just like, oh, I've got someone on the side, she must die today, like I'll go hang out with her when I need to kind of thing. It's just nice to kind of have that relationship established with someone so that if and when things happen in life, as life waxes and wanes, you have that additional source of support. Definitely. Um, actually, yeah, and you know, uh, with mental health in general, I mean, Asian Americans on the whole, they have um, about the same rate of, of like mental illness and like psychological mm -hmm. distress, but um, they're among the least likely to seek out mental health services. Mm -hmm. um, and like, I've, and like, you know, there's lots of research about why that is, et cetera, et cetera. And I actually had have an interesting like hypothetical question for you Mudith, which would be that if you knew that the therapist that you were going to see was going to be asian or going to be south asian would that have impacted the way you had felt mm. sorry for like <laughs> so that on you. i'm just curious i would i would also say that's a question for everyone but more yeah. you can you can mm. kick us off yeah, I'm interested to know now too. Yeah, it's uh I think um hmm what's interesting is is the current psychiatrist I'm seeing is is Indian and um they're uh ooh th this is this is this is deep because uh <laughs> Good I don't know if this is going to answer your question, but the, the, the thought that jumped into my mind was um, I want to briefly touch on after I got discharged from Shepherd Pratt Behavioral Health Hospital, um, there were so many conflicts of interest because my family insisted that I go back to school as soon as possible. The school insisted that I take some time off to uh, seek uh, appropriate sort of help or therapy that that would ha have me stable because they couldn't put up with my unprofessional behavior uh, due to my mania. And so what my family and I ended up doing, mostly my family, was we scrambled in our network of, of sort of Indian family friends and, um, and we very quickly and efficiently found um, a psychiatrist in our network and um, we sort of fulfilled this this desire uh, for me to get back to class as soon as possible. But I don't know if that was um, in my best interest. And um, was yeah, I, I kind think... Was it on the surface, like just to 
show the school basically like oh got a doctor's note i'm good to go sort of thing yeah they yeah um they were a little bit picky at times uh at, at first we got um i i convinced my primary care uh physician to to write a letter saying that from his perspective i'm um i guess healthy enough to go back to school but uh yeah it was it was a bit of a process but yeah that that's what the school wanted um for me to continue uh classes but and it was the other um kind of paradoxical thing was that in retrospect I felt like I should have taken more time off to get healthy but in my manic state I still had some like remnant mania like I just I wanted to go back to school and like and um I don't know, be obnoxious again and tell everybody what to do. And yeah, yeah. (laughs) so it was just, it was just a big mess of, uh, 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 things, but I feel like the, um, sort of being in, in this South Asian community that kind of, um, facilitated some, some actions that, that catered towards me getting back to class, um, for better or for worse. I mean, I was fortunate enough to graduate and finish everything. It was it was a rough ride, uh, but uh, but yeah. <laughs> and like you had mentioned before, how your your parents were more willing to accept that mental health treatment to a piece of school, right? Like it was like when you're like, mm-hmm. "Hey, I'm not feeling great, thinking about therapy." They're like, "No, you don't need that." But then when it comes down to the school, right? Like now it's your education. Mm-hmm. Um, being like, yo, you need to do this in order to come back. Then they're like, all right, let's figure this out right now. Let's do whatever <laughs> exactly. it takes to get you back in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the challenges was that um, one of my family members uh, suggested that I see mental health professionals, um, adhere to the appointments, you know, keep the school up to date as to as as to my treatment but like should i get prescribed any medication uh just don't take that just 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 fill the prescriptions um let this you know let the school know that that you're adhering to everything but like when it comes down to it like you know don't don't take the medications and that that was kind of challenging like um i guess it was fortunate that i i as a pharmacy student um sort of studied these things and um, am aware of, of what's benefiting my health. But then again, I mean, I, I, I did, uh, the mania was, was an adverse effect to sertraline. So I did have some fear. So that just made it more complicated, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was quite a discussion with, with my family members. So, um, I think it's so interesting, like in our community, the push to become like a doctor. Right. And like you said, Mudit, it didn't take you very long to find um, a psych- psychiatrist in your network because mm-hmm. we all know doctors and lawyers and engineers, right? Because that's that's what our community, a lot of it is made out of, right? And so it's very easy to find a doctor um, for your needs. But when it comes down to it, it's like, yeah, be a doctor, be a pharmacist, but don't take medication, especially when it comes to yeah. mental health medication. I'm just like, but do you right. realize what it is that they do in their professions? They prescribe medication. Um, not, you know, you know, pharmacist is like very medication oriented. Other doctors have other things that they can prescribe too. But in our day and age, medication is kind of like, you know, like the first thing that you potentially could get prescribed. Like, um pain management yeah do physical therapy but also take like a whole bunch of vicodin to like get you through right um whether for the better or for worse right that's that's to be debated um but i just think it's like i've experienced this in other people as well as myself this kind of fear of antidepressants or um any medication that's related to like mental health uh issues or things it's like oh that might make it worse or oh like don't take that the side effects or oh this or oh that but people are popping blood pressure meds every day Tylenol Mm. every day like there's no problem with those right but there's right all these issues with you know when it comes to your brain basically or your mental health your emotional health so I think that's very very interesting definitely I would totally love to know what like Ayurvedic medicine says about different mental <laughs> oh, health oh conditions. God. You know someone? Because we should totally get them on here. Because I think that's, um, it's like, I would love to know what are kind of the more 
in some ways like sanctions you know like mental health Sanction issues are, yeah um, and then like what like what are the mental health issues that south asian folks are quote-unquote allowed to have and then what are the appropriate treatments then to treat to i don't know yeah just like do yoga like is that <laughs> to do yoga um i, I think the crux of the problem though is that like brown people aren't even allowed to have mental health issues in the first place like Mm -hmm. other people have them white people definitely have (laughs) them but but us brown folks oh no you know we get stressed maybe but that's about that's about it you just like get better yeah and there's all this interesting research too on like on minority stress right and like that in and of itself being a factor that plays into mental health issues are these things of like inferiority or self-confidence or the world being down on you all of those pieces like do very material materially affect our mental health lives and our lives overall and so then it's like such a catch-22 right like you're getting shit on you have all this extra stuff that you can deal with but you are even though you might be even more susceptible to it or especially as like third culture kids navigating both of these spaces yet you're not allowed to admit to it in a lot of ways yeah or feel bad right or in any way and i've seen that with other health conditions too where it's like a lot of times if you're not feeling well or or something you know besides like having a flu or like a cold or something if it's like a chronic kind of thing it's like just hide it don't talk about it whether it's mental or physical or both just like pretend everything is normal everything is okay and i've seen this across the board and what I wanted to bring up, Sri, when you asked about, um, like, Ayurvedic medicine. So the I saw this recently on Instagram, and I Googled it, and I found it. So the Indian Health Ministry put out um, a infographic on how to cope with depression. And it was heavily, Wait, really? heavily criticized, oh because you'll see in a second why. Oh um, so oh, people Jesus. were like, oh, my God, they finally, you know, recognize that depression is a thing, and it can exist. But... Here are the ways to cope with it. Follow a routine, travel, be creative, take multivitamins, think positive, <laughs> practice yoga, stay clean, and there's a little icon of a bathtub next to it. Wait, like hygienically? Yeah, and there's like like shower every day, um, sleep for a minimum eight hours, eat fruits, um, go for walks. <laughs> Yeah. That's everything they have to say yeah. about clinical depression. Yeah, so I'm cured. I'm cured. It's, as a it's person done. I'm done. Who's done all of these while not feeling the greatest, and it does not work. You know, it just <laughs> does not work. Literally, these are things that I do every day, and it does not work. So, or like those little pieces of like maybe it'll help lift your mood yeah, a little bit, but yeah. that doesn't mean exactly. that's addressing depression. Right. right, and it's like a temporary kind of thing, and like I've heard this so much like get a dog yeah. you know go go to india like or like you know go travel and like uh oh you have a shitty relationship with like your sister or whatever and that's why you're depressed like repair your relationship i'm just like oh my god stop these it. things yeah. might help but that's not necessarily the neurochemical thing right. underneath right. that's causing mm-hmm. this to happen for me yeah yeah i'm not a sociologist or anything but i feel like a, a huge chunk of the problem is that Obviously, one, we don't talk about it. And so as a result, there's this um, there's this misconception that you know there's like normal and then there's psychotic. <laughs> but there's like nothing in between. So so if you need help, you're you've like, gone off the deep end. You've gone off yeah. the deep end, which that totally happens and that's totally valid and, and you should still get help and there's nothing wrong with that but there's also like a, a variation of mm-hmm. of you know stages of, of mental health and, and mental issues in, in the middle that are totally treatable um and, and are not like a, a big deal at all but but we have made it to be a big deal because we we just don't talk about right, it right right totally and i feel like Mother, this might be a total mindfuck, but it's also kind of a thought exercise in the sense that, you know, we're talking about, like, you know, just anxiety and depressive symptoms that were not severe enough for a long time that you really felt like you had to address them. And then when you did, you got prescribed a medication. I'm curious about, like, 
what you think if you had happened to reach out and seek help like a few years before and had just gone a talk therapy route, Mm -hmm. never got prescribed a sertraline, but been able to deal with those anxious and depressive symptoms without medication, like maybe you would have never had a manic or hypomanic, whatever it was, episode. Right. I I definitely uh, agree. I think um, during my senior year of college, I took a helping skills course and um, it really, it motivated me to, it, it planted the seed of the idea to, to see uh, a therapist and I, I, I guess I just, I don't know, I got distracted by other things, but um, I do feel that I should have, especially in pharmacy school, invested more time in um, seeking like uh, talk therapy. I did see a psychologist uh, for some consecutive weeks, but studying just got in the way. And, um, and then I just stuck with my once a month psychiatrist appointments. Um, so I think, uh, I need to sort of be more mindful of, of maybe like my lifestyle as a whole and, uh, and also like the bigger picture, um, uh, I guess processes that, 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 like constitute my mind and so i definitely think that i I would benefit more from from that for sure and Shri, i guess that goes back to your point too of like this whole middle of the spectrum all which is where to be honest most of us exist in that middle space of like i'm not happy and perfect every day but i also am still in touch with reality and like making it through my quote-unquote daily activities and like within that middle space i think this is this is not just you know south asian communities brown communities immigrant communities in particular i think this is a thing that's kind of happening across the world but that piece of like thinking about our mental health in the preventative way as well and not just being re you know just being reactionary but then actually that kind of goes more to the list, I guess, Sonia, of like whatever the Indian Health yeah. Ministry, whatever, put out, right? Yeah, like yeah. these are things that are like, yeah, good for a healthy lifestyle overall. Um, and the pieces where like if we talked about just those things a little bit more, then maybe being, you know, going to a regular therapist or seeking counseling once in a while before it got to this big, huge place of like, fuck, I'm having suicidal tendencies, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. could, before it blows over, basically. Yeah. And, like, to to that point, I want, like, it's almost like, I mean, not just in our communities. I think it's in a, it's a kind of across the board. Like, don't, see, you know, it's almost like, eh, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Ignore it as long as you can. It's when you are suicidal or harming yourself or somebody else, when it gets to that extreme where it can't be ignored anymore, then it's okay to seek help. Then it's fine to do what you need to do to, like, get back to normal. But until then, eh. It's all right. You don't need to. Because it's like troubleshooting at that point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it can't be put away mm-hmm. anymore, basically, because, you know, something big yeah. crossed the line, basically, mm-hmm. somehow. You're like, um, you're like Olivia Poping, <laughs> your mental health issues. <laughs> I, think, I think yoga is actually a really interesting kind of like example of all yeah. of this, because I guess, you know, um, well, mindfulness meditation is something that's obviously very big nowadays and like, you know, it has been advocated in a clinical way to, as, as like, oh, this is one thing that you can add to your regimen that might make a positive impact in your life. Um, and, you know, a lot of that comes from Eastern traditions, especially South Asian traditions. But um, a lot of what I hear, at least, is kind of like, oh, if you do these breathing techniques, it'll cure you of your, like, high blood pressure, um, which is obviously incorrect, but it's really dangerous when you put that to mental health because, um, first of all, there's, like, a disconnect between, like, what is the hard work of meditation and the hard work of mindfulness and stuff like that. Um, 
versus just doing the movements of these exercises. Um, In my fabletics gear. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, ex exactly. But then once you, once you try and prescribe that as like, as like a cure for mental health, as like a magic bullet, then I mean, obviously, it's not only incorrect, but like people like put their time and energy into doing these things, and like don't know that it alone will not help you just because they read somewhere that that like oh mindfulness meditation is good for you but like you know obviously just yoga is not going to cure your depression necessarily right definitely and not not for everyone i, I it's it's tough because i feel like i will say that there is a, a ton of empirical evidence about yoga and and meditation all these different pieces um, that are all of our eastern traditions that have been around for centuries that have just in the past like really i'd say less than 100 years really gotten popular here in western society um but like there is a lot of empirical evidence about about incorporating those practices into your life and how that does help reduce blood pressure how that does help with improving mood and like these other pieces that tie into both our physical and our mental health but then it gets so disgustingly bastardized mm -hmm. as you say right? of like this kind of simple prescription sort of thing um or just thinking that like oh yeah if i just pay 18 dollars for a few drop-in classes to fucking like yoga bar cycle <laughs> or whatever the fuck <laughs> they're coming up with these days but like that mm -hmm. will take care of everything yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's it gets dangerous when it's offered as like the only option, when it's like you know that's like saying oh drink apple cider vinegar you have stage four cancer it'll cure it you're like no you're probably gonna die if if you do that <laughs> um, you know and yeah there's many nuances to that too but like I think that is the part that bothers me that it's like oh like you don't need to you don't need to take pills you don't need to go to therapy you don't need to do anything literally just do yoga and you'll be cured like by tomorrow and I'm just like no that's, that's not how that works it can help certainly but I always feel like there are you know like tools in a toolbox right you can you can do these things together um you can try this and you can try this and you can try that and find like a combo that works for you or maybe only one thing works for you and maybe that is yoga maybe that is the thing that ultimately helps somebody completely other than everything else but it's like when you kind of put that out as like the only option or the only acceptable option, that's when it's dangerous. I think, but you said something that, I mean, I gotta, I guess gotta be real with you. It turned me on that you were like, this kind of feels like a confession, but like talk therapy has been more successful than medication. I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, like, I'm curious about that for you because it, it was a certain amount of, like, titration, right, that had to happen and forces being placed on you, like, your parents, like, your school, like, you know, being committed, things that put certain things in motion that you had no control over, but then other times and other pieces in your journey where you have had control and have been able to play around with different methods and kind of find out what regimen works for you. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think uh, it's this sort of um, existential trial and error to to find you know my personalized uh, regimen it's, it's it's a journey that I'm still navigating um, I think I um, I'm still sort of trying to figure out like I, I still see technically the psychiatrist that is Indian that I alluded to but I may change that up a little bit since I've graduated. Um, I recently saw a clinical social worker um, that specializes in a very specific thing. Um, not so sure I'm ready to talk about that yet, but, uh, sure. uh, but uh, like I, I really want to um, sort of align or at least uh, become comfortably self-aware and functionally self-aware of sort of my thoughts and behaviors um, and, and, and sort of have this mindfulness um, as, as, I, as I pursue the things I want to pursue 
Um, cause frankly, pharmacy school was just this shit show of, of <laughs> exams and caffeine and, um, feeling inadequate. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, uh, sounds like my grad school dressing professionally, right? Yeah. Right. And yeah, exactly. Just this like ingenuine sort of, um, like having to put on a mask and, and not be yourself and supplicate to any figure of authority, um, so now, yeah, I'm sort of finally like at ease. Sounds like a real healthy environment. What's that? Sounds like a real healthy environment. <laughs> so healthy. Yeah. It uh, also sounds like life. Yeah. <laughs> From here on out. Yeah. Until we die. Oh my God, that's <laughs> horrible. I don't like that. Wait, I want to get a dog and go on walks and do yoga. Wait, can I do what the Indian folks <laughs> do? Wait, I'm like 21. <laughs> to also You're still going to have to put on a mask. Just yet. I'm still in college. <laughs> He's still an undergrad. <laughs> I have a question, Mundit, about, because um, you've, you've kind of touched on this, about, you know, your family's reaction and how they've kind of dealt with it and how you have dealt with it. And uh, do you still live with your, with your parents? Yes. Okay, cool. And so now that you're in a more stable, you know, place, you're not necessarily in the throes of, of, you know, your episodes before, how are they reacting to just kind of ongoing mental health treatment for their son? Right. So that's a conversation that um, I think my father has been very understanding of my desire to continue to seek help. And I see huge clinical value in sort of um, in seeking in seeking professional services, even when I don't sort of desperately need help per se. Mm -hmm. So this is sort of like a, a preventative um, sort of uh, uh, like good habit to have. Right. And um, with that, I, I think I do have family members that sort of after I graduated, they kind of want me to let all of it go and, and um, just, I don't know, not like uh, they, they may not see the value in it and, and they, they don't want me to seek um, help anymore because perhaps they feel that I, I, I don't need it. And and I think maybe I need to work on my phrasing um, just because it's 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 sort of, um, you know, like now that I'm uh, talking about this, like it's it's sort of it's um, it's like exercise, like um, it's I, I'm not. I'm not, I, I, I'm not necessarily, um, seeking therapy or talking to a counselor cause I'm incredibly ill or, or sick. Like I want to maintain my health and, and, right. and, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, engage in these, these sort of good beneficial habits. So, um, and I like think be healthier and stronger overall. Definitely. Absolutely. So I do have some, I guess, conversations that I do need to engage in with um, some family members to maybe advocate for the, for the the very true and valid um, value in, in that. But uh, yeah. That's an incredibly um, brave, but also scary thing to do. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, st I started going to therapy earlier this year and I, I still haven't told my parents Hi, <laughs> I feel like we have this moment every episode. Or like I know. <laughs> every single one of these episodes is like, don't tell my mom and Baba this. <laughs> um, but yeah, because the, I think, um, I actually think my dad, similar to yours, would be, would be very understanding. He's been pretty understanding of um, just issues at large over the past few years. Um, but my mom is very much like the Indian Ministry of Health, right? Like depression is Same. something that is solved by, you know, walks, fresh air, and like a good mm -hmm. attitude. Mm -hmm. um, and trying to overcome that and putting yourself in a vulnerable position where you're like, hey, you know those people that you look down on? I'm one of those. Hey. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. 
there's absolutely nothing wrong with, you know, going to therapy and taking care of yourself and making sure you stay healthy. Um, but just having that initial conversation or even an ongoing conversation, it's very, very, it's just scary. I know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It kind of goes back to that piece of like with, with those, you know, doctors that you go to, you you don't have a problem, right? Like we're fine with going to the primary care every year for our physical, even though, and, and actually I've read some research about, um, now like MDs being like, yo, please don't come. Like we actually don't need to see you every year. Like <laughs> It's just so unnecessary. Um, at least up until a certain age or like, unless you have certain specific concerns or whatever. Yeah. Um, and similarly, I think like there's still maybe some amount of misinformation about this, but that for the most part, people understand that like, you folks who have female anatomy, you should go to an OBGYN, even if you're not sexually active, right? Like there right. are just yeah. that difference, right, between like sexual health and reproductive health of like, mm-hmm. there are just things that you should mm-hmm. get checked out or, you know, yeah. have regular care about, even if you're not quote unquote using it for right. a specific purpose. Yeah. And like same yeah. thing with freaking therapy, but it doesn't extend for whatever reason just worldwide. Yeah. Really, it doesn't extend yeah. that line of thinking uh, yeah. in the same way. I kind of yeah. wonder. I mean, so obviously we all grew up um, in a pretty like metropolitan area in a very you know Western society. Like I remember growing up in school, a bunch of my friends were going to therapy, and I was hearing about it. Um, uh, you know, from like high school onwards, right? Like I know my friends go to therapy. It's not something I would ever do. Um, but there was some statistic and I don't want to quote it because I know I'm not going to get the numbers right, but there's only like, like 900 therapists in India or something like that. It's just like an incredibly, the like ratio of, of, um, mental health professionals to, um, people in India is absurd. Um, and so I wonder if this, you know, this common belief that mental health is not valuable is held because, you know, our parents probably didn't grow up with friends or, or people they knew going to see a therapist or seeking mental health um, help. Um, yeah, I don't I, know. I, I really got to say that. I, like, I feel like so a big, big part of that definitely also has to just come back to the way that government is and the way that the economy is in terms of here you still have I mean obviously we have a long way to go in terms of our health insurance and everything but you have access to mental health and any other kind of medical care even if you don't necessarily have the highest income or any income and I personally am on Medicaid I'm a grad student I don't make much money I'm on Medicaid and it's honestly some of the best insurance, and that's Ugh, where I see yes. my therapist through. Lots and of like, snaps. And that piece, in terms of in most other countries, many other countries, where like even the issue of access, right? Because even our families coming from relatively middle class to pretty affluent backgrounds, from you know that access even being limited, let alone to people who are in more rural areas or who are on the street or who don't have any kind of medical care or very limited medical care, Mm -hmm. let alone mental health care. Um, I think to kind of latch onto that, like access, there's also realizing, I think part of that is just education, right? Like recognizing that this is something that needs to be addressed. Um, You know, we throw around the words like bipolar, depression, anxiety a lot, um, sometimes not with the entire of the meaning of it. And sometimes with um, just, you know, just like, oh, my God, she's being so bipolar. Oh, my God, she's being a bitch. Like, you know, like that. Um, But like, if you don't have a name for it, if you don't know what it is that you're feeling is Mm -hmm. normal and valid and like, why would you go seek help? Right. You know, you know, in that sense of like, you don't even know what it is. You don't, you think everybody will shame you or this is not something that uh, happens to everybody. You wouldn't even know that there's a doctor for it, you know, like, so I think in older generations, that was definitely a thing. And now maybe it's changing slowly, but there's still that too. Like if you don't know what it is or if you don't recognize that it's something that something it's something that can be helped 
or something that somebody can help you with, you wouldn't even know where to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, yeah, exactly. There's also, I guess, like, one thing that I've been told before is that, like, oh, all these kinds of problems, you just dealt with them by, like, talking to your family or, like, you just, like, because you lived in, like, a communal family unit, you could just kind of, like, find support from the people around you and that was enough to get through. Um, And I think that is also a prevailing idea and that also goes back to this idea of, like, you keep your problems within your family, you find your solace and your support within your family. Um, But obviously, you know, a family... Or, like, just any lay person cannot necessarily help everyone's problems all at once. Um, also, I think the fact that, um, you know, even in, in the U.S., mental health and, like, you know, like, going to therapy and things like that, um, for a lot of people, you know, their parents' to generations today in the U.S., regardless of where they came from also, it might be a very different concept. It's just, um, it's something that I think is like me much newer in terms of like the zeitgeist, I guess. Um, yeah. I wanted to, actually, I kind of, especially based on what you're saying, I want to circle back to this question that you posed at the beginning and throw it back to you before we wrap up um, in terms of like, this piece of if it is an Indian or South Asian provider versus if it's someone who is white or black or someone who is Latino or whatever, like how that differently colors your desire to go at all maybe to therapy or even like once you're there, how much you're willing to disclose and like how that process whether that's like a thought exercise or something that you've personally dealt with. Um, yeah, I'm curious to hear from all of you about like how that's been. And anyone else if you want to write in about yours. Um, well, for me personally, I think, well, um, for example, I have gone to the counseling center at school before. Um, I've taken the pre-therapy classes there, or not classes, sorry, the free therapy sessions that are provided to students. And Mm -hmm. I was quite, um, I was quite relieved that I had a person of color who was Asian um, as my therapist. And the reason for that is because I was talking about a lot of things like school pressure and things like that. And I was a little worried that someone who doesn't come from my background might not understand in the same way that I do. For example, like I have friends who are white who have told me like, oh, you're 18, like you can just like do whatever. And I'm like, no, well, like in my family, it's not exactly, you can't do that, right? Um, um, So I think issues like that, which are a little bit more culture bound, it makes it helpful to be speaking to someone who is, if not fully aware, at least sympathetic in a deeper way. Um, Also, I just think in general, when you're talking to a stranger, talking to a stranger who like looks like you, I don't know, I would, that would just put me at ease a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Conversely, I, if the person had been South Asian I would have been worried that they knew someone that I knew. Mm. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Yeah, so it's, but if they were South Asian, maybe I could have talked to them like in a little bit deeper way. I don't know. It's a, it's a weird line to tiptoe. But um, one statistic that I did just pull up, again, this is for general Asian Americans because there's not that much research into like specifically South Asian Americans. Um, is that there are 70 Asian American mental health providers for every 100,000 Asian Americans. That's bananas. Which is, yeah, which is ridiculously low. in the U.S.? Yeah, in the U.S. Wow. 
I'm working on it, y'all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she, she's going to be our mascot. <laughs> <laughs> Doing the Lord's work here. No, so we're all so, coming yeah, to you so, as soon as you graduate. That's so unethical. I can't accept any of you. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but so that's... We'll send it, our it, friends. Yeah. That's been my experience with it. I think... Um, yeah, that's just where I would stand. Having someone there who is culturally a little more aware of what the mind, what my mindset might be, without having to explain to them like the entire backstory of of like what is my immigrant stress, what is you know Asian family culture. Just getting straight to the point um, might help me get to like a major breakthrough in session like six or seven instead of like 10 or 12 because I have spent a lot of sessions explaining I'm pretty much on the same page as you Trinish I think the one thing that um the one hang-up I had which I'm kind of ashamed to admit is that in terms of getting like a South Asian doctor or South Asian therapist I was scared of judgment um, and like being judged for my problems, even though like by virtue of them being a therapist, that's like not what they're there to do. Um, but like, like when you're brown, you you're brown, job, right? Exactly. Yeah. I had, right. I kind of had the same fear of judgment when I, um, when I had my abortion, um, because I, I was dreading my first doctor's appointment because my doctor was, was a brown lady. She was super cool and she was like super okay with it. She turned out to be a, a fellow for the Reproductive Health Access Project, actually. So it was fan-fucking-tastic. But I was still scared to tell her that I had a routine medical procedure, my primary yeah. care physician. So yeah. it's still, like, very much ingrained in us, I think, or me at least. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of us, like, we were talking about that self-stigma. Like, mm -hmm. I know I definitely have, like, a small judgmental auntie inside of oh, me. definitely. Um, she does exist from time to time. And I'm like, girl, contain yourself. And I have to, like, get back into, like, my, you know, usual calm, um, woke self or whatever. Um, so I feel like everyone has a small judgmental auntie inside them, like, no matter how small. Mm -hmm. So I'm always afraid, like, that's going to prevail. So I, I'm in the same exact sense that, like, um, I've, for me, I haven't uh, been in therapy, but I, it's something that I would like to seek out and it's something that I've been, it's been in my head for a long time and um, I'm hoping that like it'll finally happen. A lot of things have prevented me from getting it, um, but I'm hoping like things will fall into place and I definitely need it. So in a, in a way, it's like I kind of do want someone of color for the same reason that like they can we can just get right to it without having to explain all the background stuff. But then again, I'm just like, what if they know someone, you know? <laughs> and then, and believe it or not, um, and I'm sure this has happened to other people too, but I have heard of, I mean, you know, there's HIPAA and everything, but I've heard of other breaches happening to other people, like confidentiality wise. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, and, and to people that have been identified, like, and oh, I'm just kind of like, Oh my god, you know, within our community actually and I'm just kind of like, ah, that could be Oh, that's so fucked and up. It could be a lot worse than it could be a lot worse than having high blood pressure, you yeah. know. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like that's a pretty benign, you know, in the scale of things that somebody could reveal. It's all wrong, however, like revealing something really traumatic or something really bad versus like, oh, they have some stress or they have some high yeah. blood pressure is like a little different. Right. And like um, but I'm always like, ah all the laws and ethics boards and all that, those exist, but that doesn't necessarily, like people are still human yeah. and things still happen or whatever. Right, right, right. right. Small yeah. judgmental auntie comes out, whatever. Um, exactly. But I, and it's such like an interesting, I, I do want to throw out there from the psychotherapy research side, actually, that it's not necessarily held up that um, matching clients with therapists based on race actually improves outcomes. So that's an interesting tidbit. I, that's also, I think, a really common misconception. And, and it is like a major line of the work, the research that my advisor does and that I'm trying to get in on too in terms of um, it's not just about like matching on race, but there's something more, right, to a person of like, because it totally could be this black lady who really gets me really well, even though she didn't grow up in that same 
culture or the same household, but that she has that ability to empathize and or has done her own mm-hmm. reading and experiences and whatever, um, that still makes her, the you know, maybe the best fit for me, whatever it might be. But that there's this very valid piece of just like comfort and that being such an important piece to whoever you're seeking care from, but especially when it comes to a therapist. Um, and so the, that familiarity with culture, whether that's because they share that same culture personally or just because they're aware of it in general, uh, is such an important piece to that, except piece you're speaking to the initial being able to be like, I don't need to go into all this background for you about X, Y, and Z. And like a small example would be, I, I love my therapist. I have a black woman as my current therapist. She, in our conversations, she's like generally aware of Indian culture things. But there was one time that really pissed me off where we were talking kind of like casually, I suppose, not like a you know, therapy chat in that moment. Um, and we're ta- I was you know, it was just like, what are you doing this weekend, whatever. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to have some friends over. My friend's coming over. I'm going to cook her, you know, whatever, dinner tonight. Um, and then my therapist asked me for my recipe for chicken. And it really was, it was like this piece of, it is just this, like, casual part of our conversation. But she's like, oh, how do you prepare your chicken? I'm curious to learn more about, like, Indian preparation. Um, and I'm like, this has nothing to do with my therapy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can, I can let you know, like, marinate it in the way that's what's up. But, like, <laughs> I, it still just frustrated me, that piece of, like, coming back to the piece of, like, if you had, were thinking a little bit about, like, what I am trying to get out of it and not in that moment being a little selfish, truly, of just, like, oh, yeah, tell me more about, like, this recipe. What can I make this weekend? Uh, and that and that goes back to like an overall professionalism thing, and and I, I I forgive it in terms of the piece of like it's just a normal human thing to ask, uh, but just those pieces of like stopping to be like oh let me explain this or this is my family structure or this is like I've you know been asked the difference between like a sari and a salwar or like shit like that I'm like this has nothing to do with my therapy right now and I understand <laughs> that you're like curious about my culture and I'm very proud of my culture. But, like, now is really not the time and the place for you to get educated about it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that was one thought. Other thought, I, as, we, as we wrap up, I just wanted to say that I appreciate everyone's honesty today. And I think that it's so fucking badass that out of the five of us on this call, that four of us have very openly been able to be like, yeah, I go to therapy or I have been to therapy. And Danya, you too, for like other reasons of being like, I want to go to therapy and just there's been resource issues and external things that have kept me from doing that. But I think that that's such an important part of what needs to shift, not only within our community and culture, but overall, you know, across all of these topics, across mental health, sexual health, sexual orientation, gender identity, all of these different things of just the being frank right and just having honest fucking conversation with one another so thank Mm -hmm. you all for that yeah and making it normal like it's okay to go to therapy it's acceptable to go to therapy don't don't feel like you're the only one because there's more absolutely yeah i also just wanted to put out there for those judgmental aunties inside of us who are listening the interior (laughs) judgmental aunties i always thought it was going to take something really major to wind up in therapy and all it took was a breakup and for like the first couple seconds sessions I was like this is so lame and pathetic like a breakup and now I'm in therapy like what the fuck but it wasn't actually about the breakup at all like it wasn't a boy that put me in therapy Mm -hmm. it was just like Mm. kind of yeah yeah the the catalyst or whatever Mm -hmm. um and I'm very grateful because you know I have benefited from therapy in ways that transcend my you know relationship issues um Mm -hmm. and so and that just goes to show like across you know the four of us that um who have who have gone to therapy like there's no like one thing that causes Mm -hmm. you to have to go seek mental health help Mm -hmm. you know it can it's not like a it's not like a stroke or something 
Um, but I mean, the same could be said for regular health as well, I guess. Like you kind of just go in because you want to stay healthy and happy, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, all that good stuff, you know? <laughs> and it's totally okay to like go in and go out and like yeah. try someone be like, man, they weren't right for me. Mm-hmm. Try Definitely. someone else or just like go for a few sessions and I'm like, Hey, okay, this person now knows my background. And like a year and a half later yeah. when shit hits the fan, I can go back to them and like, I don't need to start over from square zero. Like that's yeah. really cool. And that's, it's, it's amazing that we, you know, have the privilege to have those types of support available to us and that, you know, if you need help finding a therapist, let us know. It is, it can be, it can totally suck. I agree with you there, but just, just shout out and we'll do, we'll do the best we can. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us here today, Mudit. We had a wonderful time. Thank you for sharing your story with us, being so honest and sincere. And thank you to everyone for being honest and sincere. It's what we aim to do on our podcast here. Um, We'd love for you to get in touch with us. You can find us on Facebook um, at the South Asian Sexual and Mental Health Alliance. Email us at southasiansexualhealth um, at gmail.com. And... Yeah, and just write us with your with your stories, your comments. If you'd like to be on the podcast like Mudit, let us know. We really want to hear from you and, and have you on because I'm sure listening to the four of us can get kind of boring sometimes. No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> We're fabulous. Thank you all so much. It's It's been a huge pleasure. You're the best, Mudit. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all. See you next time. Bye. Bye. On the count of three. One, two, three, go. Go. <laughs> just, <laughs> just one more time. <laughs> that was a failure on every level. But okay. Okay, just one more time.